It's Mental Health Chat Monday, season two, everybody. This is a series where we sit down with a brand new guest every week to discuss their journey with mental illness and mental wellness. Because here on Mental Health Chat Monday, our motto is turning mental illness into mental wellness. I am your host, Dieter Bionic. Thank you so very much for tuning in to two seasons of this series, y'all. I'm so proud and honored. And I'm even more proud and honored to sit down and chat with my very good friend, our guest today, a theater maker, a singer, an icon, a legend, and the moment. <laughs> Shawn Michael is here today. Hello, 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 hello. Hi, love. How are you? You know, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I am hanging in there. It's It's been a rough, not rough. I can't say rough because it hasn't been like, it's been things I want to do outside of working doubles. And that will never be a thing I want to do. But it's been like theater. I'm directing a play right now. It's been music. I'm like hosting a live show and performing a bunch. Like it's been a lot of stuff that I want to do. But I'm at the point where like, I wish I was making like a little bit more money from this so that I could quit my job. I feel, I feel. Yeah. So. <laughs> Introduce yourself to the people, tell everybody who you are, how we met, all of that good stuff. Uh, well, my name's Sean Michael. Um, I'll be, I'm a member of the queer community. Um, honestly, I don't even remember how we met. I just know that we're really good friends now. And <laughs> like, like, we just met one day and we were like similar energy. Like, let's be friends. And it's just, yeah. it's gone from there. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, I'm a theater maker. Um, I have run a queer theater company called The Q Collective, which is currently on hiatus um, as I figure myself out and get myself back together. Um, you know, I'm a singer, actor, um, writer, reader. So, you know, and in a long distance relationship, which that's got its own challenges. <laughs> I bet, I bet. I. I, we'll get into that if you would like to get into that, because sure. that's also something that is, I feel like we haven't really touched on on the podcast yet. So I like to start these episodes kind of in a similar fashion, mental health check. Where are you? How has 2023 been treating you so far? I know we have talked a little bit about you know, mental health and all that all the time. It's a very important part of our friendship is to check in with each other. But tell me how you are. Um, You know, it's I always take things day by day. Mm -hmm. Um. One, I work in the restaurant industry, um, and like if you, like at the end of the day, I have to let that baggage go, whatever happened that day, and just move forward. Um, and it's something that I took from the restaurant industry into my normal life. Now, are there things you know that are threads throughout? Absolutely. Um, so you know, I, I had a major financial setback um, last month that I'm still struggling through, um, and because money is such an important part of our society it weighs heavily on me so you know not been doing the greatest year lately um but still got to wake up every day and and try and get my shit done yeah yeah that that's the only way you're ever going to get yourself out of it is if you just like keep going which is unfortunate like i feel like we should have a fail safe you know like a way to and and not like as people as 
this like society. I look at, I was watching a video this morning on TikTok of how schools in Finland compare to schools in America. And it seems like countries are so far ahead of us in every aspect. Well, that we, we can get into a whole conversation about all of that. Cause like, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. thing. Um, because I, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, universal basic income. Um, but now I'm hearing this talk of a universal basic income equivalent where it's instead of just giving money, it's the things, you know, that like you and I think that we should have, which is, you know, universal health care for people, mm-hmm. universal education for people and just have that available. And honestly, yeah. like, I think there there are a lot of a lot of things where just from my own experience and my own mental health, if I didn't have to worry about um, getting sick um, and then going to the doctor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in an accident last year where I broke one of the vertebra in my neck Uh um, and I'm still paying that hospital bill. And I was very lucky at the time that I had health insurance um, through the job that I had. So it wasn't as catastrophic to my finances um, as it could have been. Uh, But it doesn't change the fact that I'm still paying for it. And the amount that I'm paying for it, um, you know, if you combine that with, like I said, I had a major financial setback this year. If you combine those things together, um, it's just the amount that we pay. And I, I hate to like go so far into money is the root of all evil, but like money is the root of all evil, at least in the United States. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. It, so, it, you know, yeah, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but with with what happened to me last year that got me in the hospital, I would have paid maybe a fifth of that in Europe or even in the Philippines, which, you know, is classified as a third world country. And yet they do things a lot better than we do in some instances. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just easy to look and like to just peer over the waters and be like, wow, I could go. It's why so many people go away to get surgeries done, to get simple procedures, to get any like any type of any kind of health care. Right. And, you know, it's not to say that, like, everything's perfect in those countries. It's True. not. I mean, you know, let the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte, who's now out of power because they have a one term term limit for their presidents, uh, you know, had a war on drugs that killed millions of people indiscriminately. Wow. So, you know, no, nothing's perfect anywhere, but it does seem like other countries have things figured out a little bit better. Yeah. And, and nothing I don't, I don't think anything's going to be perfect ever, but I would like to see America at least try. <laughs> yeah yes and um, yeah i i think part of the problem comes from the hyper individualism um mm-hmm. that has always been here um always. and the anti-intellectualism that has always been here um and that's the thing on both sides um there's no like you know no political side of the aisle has that unlocked ever um you know, the country was, the United States was founded on hyper-individualism. And it was, you know, some of the earliest settlers here were anti-intellectuals. So, like, you can't escape those two facets of the founding. 
Yeah. Without rewriting the entire system, which it's looking real good right about now. It's looking real good. Hashtag burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree with that deeply in my soul. Uh, so let's uh, let's get a little bit more into the mental health aspect of this of this podcast. I'm sorry, there's like a little piece of my my beard is growing out the color, and there's mm-hmm. like a piece right here that is driving me insane. <laughs> Just because of the way the color's sitting. That's so annoying. Why am I so vain? Anyway, um, so if you're comfortable sharing, have you been diagnosed with any mental illnesses at all? And and how have those diagnoses affected you? Um, yes, actually. Uh, I am diagnosed for current major depressive and um, anxiety disorders. And I, I had always known that I probably had depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's when you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get up and go, you know, it, it, it was, you know, kind of been evident in my life for a very long time. Um, and having the diagnosis, uh, is kind of freeing in a way because mm-hmm. I know I have it. Um, I can work around it. Um, you know, I was taking medication. Um, unfortunately, because I no longer have health insurance, I no longer have medication, um, which, you know, sucks. But it means that, but because I knew that was coming, um, and I know that I have these things, I'm much more aware of the signs of breakdown in myself and the signs of ramping up on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my anxiety disorder comes out in the most, in the worst times possible because it's always at work, but you know, mm-hmm. working in a restaurant, sometimes having anxiety is a good thing. Cause it means I'm kind of a little more on top of things, Yeah. but that panicky feeling um, that comes with it is not always the best either. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm sad how I got the diagnosis. Um, I was in a relationship with a guy for seven years. Um, it was a toxic relationship from both sides. Um, but one of the things that was happening at the end, uh, I don't have any proof for what I'm about to say. I just suspect that this was, this is what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I got catfished when i was kind of getting back together with him um so we had broken up in october of 2017 i had moved out on a sunday without telling him um there are personal reasons for that that i won't i won't go into mm-hmm. um and i cut off all contact with him for three weeks i thought that i was in a better place three weeks later i was like okay let me get back in contact. There are some things we have to figure out. We had a car together in our name. We had bills together in our name. We had credit cards together. And, you know, these are things that you need to figure out. Um, so I contacted him. You know, we got to talking, trying to figure things out. Things didn't really go anywhere as far as figuring things out. Um, and at the same time, I was, you know, on Grindr um, and a couple of other uh, you know, the hookup in the dating sites. Mm-hmm. And this guy contacted me on Grindr and we just got to talking and I just like, 
free flowing confession. And then every time that we were going to meet up, he just mysteriously something happened and I started getting suspicious. Um, and then Steven started, um, showing up at my apartment. Um, we got into fights in my apartment. Um, I have threatened to call the cops on him quite a few times. Um, then he started showing up with notes that were found on his car or my car. Um, you know, you know, things about our relationship or, you know, photos taken and sent from like an mysterious phone number of our cars parked next to each other. Um, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. And finally there was one night we were out, um, we we went to a couple of bars and I just hit a point that was like, I had said something about, let's go, just go back to my place. I need to sleep. And I walked out and I was just like, I have to go. I can't be around this guy. Um, and now, Grant, I was very drunk and I got in my car and I drove. Uh, he chased me all around South City, St. Louis. And then I got on the highway and I drove an hour into Illinois. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, because in my drunk mind, I was like, I'm going to go to my mom. She's in Virginia. I'm going to go to my mom. You know, that'll be the safest place for me right now. And it was that was stupid. It was a dumb thing to do. And I called my cousin. Um, and he and I talked and he's like, turn around, go back home. I was like, I think I'm going to call 911 and, and check myself into the hospital. And he said, you probably should. And I got home safe. Thank everything in the world. Um, I called 911. And uh, I, I got I went into the hospital for a weekend. And just being able to cut off contact with him for that couple of days and reset my my thinking mm -hmm. and that's where i was diagnosed um was so incredibly helpful and when i got out i just texted him i said do not call me do not text me i will contact you if i want to be in contact and it, it's been a struggle that was almost six years ago now, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's been a struggle sometimes just to keep my head up. Um, and I'm still kind of coming to terms with things and, and thinking through things that happened in that relationship that still affect me today. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have never heard that story before. I don't know how we haven't talked about that before, but I, um, oh shit. Don't mind me just throwing all my things on the floor. Um, it's, it's, I don't want to use the word interesting, but it's interesting how relationships can truly affect who you are, where you are, and how you are. And, I am very glad that you made the choices that you made and I am proud of you. And I see that in you, like you're very strong will. I've seen, I've always seen that in you. Um, and my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would maybe one day I'll be comfortable enough to share everything that went on mm -hmm. um, in that relationship. 
probably the only person who really knows most of it at this point is Nico, my boyfriend. Um, but and that's that's one of those things like, you know, past relationships affect your your new relationships. Um, and Nico and I have the same age difference that Stephen and I did, which is about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronnie and I also I, have age difference. Yeah. And I, I but I look at a lot of the things that were done to me and I did to Stephen. And I, you know, take it, you know, with Nico, you know, he's uh, 24 years old. I take a very deep breath before dealing with a lot of things with him and take my time and try to have some patience with him because he's still young Mm -hmm. and he's still learning. And, you know, he also um, has his own mental health issues. And you can't like, you know, you can't be in a relationship and just I exist here, you exist there, even if you exist in the same place together or, you know, 8,500 miles apart, um, you know, you have to, you have to work together. So, yeah, I think it's, I, Ronnie and I both have our own separate, you know, diagnoses and, and triggers and all those things. And it's really, this is going to sound so bad. It's really nice to be in a relationship with someone who's mentally ill. Because you get each other. Like, it can be really bad and it can can not work out. But in certain instances, like I, for myself and I feel for you and Nico, it it has helped us kind of understand who we are a little bit better and how how to help this thing up here that doesn't like itself all the time. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, well, and it's, and you know, it's nice to have a partner who understands because, you know, if I'm in a bad place, you know, it's just a lot of talking through and like, it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to, to be living those feelings. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, you know, I'm here for you. I'll be here for you. If you want to talk, if you don't want to talk, if you want to get on the phone and just like have the presence there, cause like I'm in a long distance relationship. So, you know, the most we have right now is just video calling, you know, for physical contact. Um, and, you know, the same thing, you know, when he's in a bad place, I'm like, I'm here for you. You know, do you want to talk about it? Do you want advice? Like, you know, what can I give you right now? You know, what do you need from me right now? You know, it. it's nice to have that understanding on both sides and not just, you know, have one partner who's like, I'm totally fine all the time. And the other partner who's just, you know, Eeyore all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I said this. And I'm pretty sure I've said this in previous episodes. I don't trust anybody who says they're not at least a little bit mentally ill. Like, just, just a little bit. Like, just a little bit. Like, hold on. The way the world is right now, even if even if prior to the pandemic, prior to the really crazy tensions of the world right now, you were, uh, you know, not mentally ill. Not everybody has to have a diagnosis or be, you know, on medicine or, or whatever, what have you. But there, there just is an energy in the world right now that does not lend to wellness of any kind. Correct. And there's, I guess, you know, ignorance is bliss, but to me it is not bliss in this, no. in this political climate, in this era, you know, as a Black man, as a queer Black man, as a gender non-conforming queer <laughs> Black man. Like, right. Yeah. I, you know, I... 
just on on that on that level you know the the, the ignorance is bliss it, like i don't i don't agree with that either at all because like i said knowing that i have depression knowing that i have anxiety knowing what it feels like to be getting into those and out of those mm-hmm. i'm better able to to listen to what my body is saying because i know that and because i know that there are other people out there who have it i can go find the right people to be around in the times that i need to be around it's the same thing i know that there's you know a lot of like joking about like the lgbtq element op you know but I heard on a TV show years and years ago something that I thought was really just a smart, smart thing. Labels can absolutely be boxing, mm-hmm. 100%. But labels can also be freeing in the way that labels can be a safe space and a place for you to find new family um, and to find people you know whose experiences are similar to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go oh, ahead. No, 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 I, I had a thought, but it went away, so. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, you're I, totally fine. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this revelation that I had. It was it was rather early in our friendship. I think it might have been like around the inception of, of Q Collective. But I used to be really, um, I used to not identify with the term queer. And I used to think that it was very othering and and, uh, and made me feel icky. Not necessarily icky, but like I didn't like to, I didn't like it. And it was not until I started to hang out with more queer people that I started to enjoy and understand and identify as queer. Because it's not just, yes, I am, you know, bisexual. I'm in a homosexual relationship right now. I, I don't necessarily conform to a gender one or the other or any at all, really. And I, the people that are in the queer community understood me and they helped me and they made me feel connected to myself. Right. And I was like, well, shit, I've been so mad at this one word all my life. And this is all I've ever been. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's one of the nice things. I mean, it's it's not obviously like nothing. The only thing that's one hundred percent is that nothing is one hundred percent. Yep. Uh, and but walking into queer spaces, um, and just being accepted, like and just being there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there are problems, you know. And again, tales for another time. Yeah. Um, not going to absolve anybody of their sins here, um, but walking into spaces um was so freeing for me um and the same thing with like the depression and the anxiety um for me like when we got when i got to creating the q collective it was extending that same grace to everybody who walked through our doors Mm -hmm. yes so so let's talk a little bit about the q collective because i I was very proud and honored to be a part of that and the growth of that company. And I do hope that it comes back sometime in, in the future when you are ready. Um, but talk to me about the the inception of that and how, 
I feel like there was a big focus on mental wellness with the company, not not even necessarily expressly like, you know, but there was a focus on making sure that everybody felt comfortable. And to me, comfortability is a big part of mental wellness. So talk to me about how all of that tied together. Yeah. So with, I mean, I started the, I started the Q Collective because I wanted to see more stuff about me on stage. Um, and you know, I, it, you know, it's a very selfish reason to want to do something like that. But at the same time, like, um, you know, the, the, the iceberg rule for every, you know, piece of an iceberg you see above, you've got a massive amount below. Um, so if I wanted to see more stuff like me, that means other people want to see more stuff like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so creating a space that was specifically queer theater all the time, you know, in St. Louis, which, you know, you have Joan Lipkin, uh, who does her stuff um, with that uppity theater company, um, but it's not queer theater all the time. And that's no hate to Joan Lipkin. She's got a lot that she does. Um, she was the first queer theater in St. Louis. Um, and, you know, that's something you can never take away from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new line and Stray Dog regularly do queer theater and it's awesome and i'm happy that it's there but i wanted something that was all the time just and that's why we went with the title the q collective we made we splashed it up there we are queer we are always queer Mm -hmm. um and one of my first things that i wanted to do when i did that is you have people who are struggling with different identities uh, either their gender identity or their sexuality. Um, and the room had to be a comfortable, safe space for everyone. Mm-hmm. And when we found our first rehearsal space, I was really worried about it because it was a church. And yeah. there's a lot of religious trauma within the queer community. Yes. Um, thankfully, the church that we found, um, the pastor and his husband lived in the rectory on site. So that was for me, that was like the first, you know, green flag for this space. The second green flag is that they were working at the time to become an open and affirming church within the, um, I think they're a UCC church, the United Church of Christ. Um, And they now have that designation as an open and affirming church. Yes. Um, Yes. So we were welcomed with open arms by a, you know, by a gay man and his husband in a church that wanted to be a safe space for queer people. And, you know, it's, that is a, that is a relationship that I cherish. um, And I'm very glad that we were able to build it. Um, And so just from that and walking into it, um, you know, our very first play festival that we did, we had, uh, I think, I can't remember how old she was, um, but she was young. And I, you know, the shows that we do, they are about sex and gender and sexuality. And it was really very important to me that anybody who was under the age 18, like the parents, yes, they had already consented to allow them to be there because of the audition process. But I said, we have to go one step further. Mm -hmm. I need written permission saying that it is okay that we have these frank discussions 
about gender and sex and sexuality um, if they are under 18. And then beyond that, you know, we adopted the Chicago standards um, and, and not, you know, as fully as we could have simply because, you know, we walked into that first play festival with literally zero dollars, Yeah, you know, yeah, we I put remember. that on with no money. <laughs> I'm still proud of that fact. <laughs> um, you know, but it was just a, we are, we want to make a safe space. And I think just expressing that and saying, here are the things that we're trying to do. Um, I hope that we succeeded. Uh, I know that we, you know, there have been some things, some issues that have happened, you know, like during the production of Hedwig that we did, um, that we had to take care of. Um, I'm very happy that we had, we had a psychotherapist on our board, um, mm -hmm. who was able to, you know, one, she's done a lot of coaching for me as far as interpersonal relationships within an organization. Um, you know, I think all these little things, you know, tiny things, uh, hell, even on our audition forms, you know, putting on there, not just, you know, how do you identify male, female, but, you know, trans male, trans female, and, you know, and keeping a spot open for, you know, whatever you want to identify by asking people their pronouns in the audition process, not afterwards, mm -hmm. um, you know, and taking away certain things um, that personally, I, the more I think about it, I don't understand um, in some cases, why does somebody's hair color matter? Why? Or eye color matter? Like, those are all you know, old, tired things right. that Hollywood is trying so hard to hold on to. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, it's, if the character is described as blonde, you know, blonde hair and blue-eyed, am I going to try and look for somebody who's blonde hair and blue-eyed? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's what the character description is asking for. I don't think that you, you know, would do any less, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to cast a black man. Um, I'm sorry, a white man to play a, play a, a black man in a show. I'm not going to cast, you know, a green-eyed, red-haired person to play a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person. Mm -hmm. But if the if those things aren't in the description, why does it matter? Yeah, yeah. I listen. I fully agree. I there's this. Especially in theater, there's this um, this need to stay true to the text or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, a lot of these plays were written so long ago that, of course, they were written for white people because those were the only people wanting to, you know, being able to do theater. But at a point, you kind of have to be like, okay, this, this doesn't just ex exclusively have to be a white person. There were Black people around. There were Asian people around. There were right. Native American people around. Like everyone right. existed since the beginning of time. So. Well, and that's, you know, and honestly, like a lot of those arguments too, you know, you think about, you know, a play written in the 1500s set in Rome. You know, I, I don't know if any exist, probably. Um, Rome was incredibly diverse. Yeah. And Rome had a policy where, um, you could become a citizen of Rome if you became, you know, if you joined the military 
um, but then you couldn't be stationed in your homeland. So, I mean, and Rome had a large empire. Mm -hmm. So there were most definitely Africans and Egyptians who probably lived in the city of Rome itself. You know, people with darker skin than the native people of Rome. Mm -hmm. So it, it wouldn't be strange to see, you know, black and brown people in a play about Rome. Just like, you know, the whole kerfuffle around, you know, Bridgerton and Hamilton. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's one, there is a specific narrative that's being told there. Um, and it's unfortunate that it got muddied um, by people who are just like, well, this isn't historically accurate. <laughs> you... That's not what those shows are. That's not what those shows are trying to do. They're not trying to be 100% historically accurate. They're trying to tell a very specific story with very specific reasoning. Um, and that's what you need to do. I think sometimes it's really interesting to take things, especially older plays or operas um, or even musicals and mess with them in, in different ways. Um, and I don't mean like, let me take Romeo and Juliet and make it between aliens and humans. I, I personally, I don't want to see that. That's not the point of the story. <laughs> it's not the point of the story. <laughs> you know, but I've, I've had this idea for a long time about uh, Romeo and Juliet doing a group of drag performers and a group of burlesque performers Ooh. as the Montagues and the Capulets. And a drag performer and a burlesque performer fall in love because there is some tension between the two. Now, it's not quite as big as it used to be um, because there's been a lot of work, you know, across. Um, but at the time that I thought about that, everybody was like, oh, that would be really fun to see. But it would also have been using the music of today. It wouldn't it would have been Romeo and Juliet translated. It wouldn't have been the original text. Right, right. Um, but I don't see anything wrong. You know, even there, I don't see anything wrong. What you that's set in Verona when i think it's based on an older older play anyways um that i think was from the roman time so yeah why do they have to be all white right you know why i gotta be white and, and somebody, not... oh i'm sorry go ahead oh you go ahead go ahead i was gonna say and somebody said something really interesting to me recently um just about musicals in general um you know Sondheim, Jason Robert Brown. Those are musicals about white people for white people. Yeah. Like we like, you know, we can make them diverse, you know, in the way that we cast them, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that they are by white people for white people in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so important that we work on having other people in the room. And why it's so important, and for me, just back to the Q Collective, um, why it was so important for me that we had um, so many different people on our board who probably wouldn't get on, you know, boards elsewhere. And I, that comfortability, it starts at the top. Yeah. In this particular case, at least, you know, with arts organizations, for me, it starts at the top. If yeah. you're not doing the work up here, how can you do work down here? And that is so important because the the representation isn't just when we talk about representation, we don't just talk about it being on the stage, on the screen. We mm 
we mean in the writing rooms, we mean on the boards, we mean in the, the people wearing the suits that are making the decisions, that are choosing the shows, that are choosing the directors, that are like, like you said, from the top down, it right. has to start at the top. We don't just want to be the characters. We want to choose the characters. You know, we want to be involved in the entire process because you can't tell my story the way I can tell my story. Right. And not yeah. you specifically, but you know what I mean. The the broader you. Yes. And that, you know, it's it's something that has been important to me from from the beginning. And I, I hope it has come across. It has. Absolutely it has. Like being there from ground zero of this start of Q and seeing it flourish into what it was. It I mean there I there's still are maybe a handful of theater organizations here in St. Louis that I feel are inclusive enough or that even try to be inclusive without tokenism or um, nepotism or, you know, the, the, the typical brand of theater that happens in St. Louis a lot of the time. Right. That is the reason I don't really do theater here anymore. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's shade. That is absolutely shade. Um, so we've talked a lot about um, theater and, and, and the importance of inclusivity in theater. But talk to me about how theater has impacted your mental health, how being a performer makes you feel. It is one of the best things for me. Um, I have struggled in life to always articulate my feelings um part of it has to do with how i was raised um at least from my perspective my parents probably you know disagree with me but parents do that often <laughs> um you know i never felt that i could always ar articulate to them how i was feeling and the only way for me for forever to get my feelings out has been through music and through the stage. Um, if I like, if I can't sing, if I can't act, um, if I can't produce, honestly, those feelings get, you know, swallowed and bottled and that's not a good thing. So, you know, I haven't been to karaoke in a couple weeks, but when I go to karaoke, you can tell pretty quickly by my music choice, how I'm feeling. If I'm just having fun, you know, if I'm singing Broadway all night long and it's all happy Broadway, I'm in a good mood, you know. But if I start pulling out, uh, you know, a Glitter in the Air by Pink, like I've got I've got some stuff I have to let out that I have to let go. If I'm pulling out, you know, um, some Bon Jovi stuff like that, there there's feelings that need to get out. Mm -hmm. And it's very cathartic for me to just think those things as I'm as I'm saying the words, singing the words, and to let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. <laughs> oh, I knew you were gonna do it. If you didn't do it, I was gonna do it. As proud as I am of little Miss Elsa, oh God, and and her frozen her kingdom of isolation, you just can't not sing it when it comes on, man. It's it's so good. It's uh, it is a really good song. I cannot deny that it is a fabulous, fabulous song. And at, at some point too, you and I have to go through like all the major Disney films and all the princesses and just be like queer coded. 
queer coded, queer coded, oh, queer coded. Yeah. Most of them. I would say the only one that's not is probably like Snow White, maybe. I don't know. Even then, I'm questioning. <laughs> like, right? I'm like, maybe she could. Um, I, I, oh man, I feel that about about singing. I, you know, I didn't start. I started singing when I was very young. I started singing when I was like eight years old. Right. Um, and then stopped for a long time because my voice started changing and I was, you know, a teenager and scared. And I was like, oh, I'm not actually a singer. I suck. And um, when I started singing again, especially writing music, oh my God, it has been the most powerful bit of magic that I could ever have incorporated into my life. Right. More than candles, more than tarot, more than anything. Like being able to write music and sing that music and put sounds together that incorporate every single bit of feeling that I am in experiencing in that moment. It's truly magical. It is absolutely, I don't know that I could ever stop. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. And I think about that sometimes where I'm like, God, I'm doing so many things. I want to do so much. Maybe I should just put one thing down. Like maybe I'll put music on the back burner because, you know, it's it's doing a great job, but it's not doing. And then I'm like, no, right. ne <laughs> never, never, <laughs> never. Uh, this is a good spot for us to take a little bit of a break. Mm, excuse me. Um, to hear a word from the sponsor of this episode, which is BetterHelp. Today's episode of Mental Health Chat Monday is brought to you by BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, the world's largest 100% online therapy service, you can get connected with a therapist and a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists to help you with a wide range of issues. When I signed up for BetterHelp, I was able to specify exactly what I was looking for in a therapist, and I was matched with the therapist that suited my needs. To get started, all you do is answer a few questions about your therapy needs and preferences. That way BetterHelp can match you with the perfect therapist from their network. From there, contacting your therapist is easy. Call, chat, video call, or text, whatever is more comfortable for you. Message your therapist at any time to set up live sessions when it's convenient for you. And the coolest thing about BetterHelp is that if your therapist doesn't match for any reason at all, you can switch to a brand new therapist at no additional charge. Affordability, online access at your own pace, custom pick therapist, that sounds like my kind of therapy. And what luck you have, you can get 10% off your very first month of BetterHelp using my link, betterhelp.com forward slash M-H-C-M. That's betterhelp.com forward slash M-H-C-M. Now go ahead and get yourself some therapy, baby. And thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this video. Click the links and the buttons and do all the stuff and all that. You know, y'all know how that works. How, you know, you know, keep this thing going. Keep this train going. Um, so you spoke a little bit at the beginning about medication. How has medication impacted your life? And, um... When did you start? If you're, you know, obviously as much as you are comfortable sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So I started um, taking, um, I think I've taken three different antidepressants at this point. Um, and I had started them when I went into the hospital. Um, that was my first time with them, um, which I think is one of the things that really helped me like reset, like I was saying. Uh -huh. um, 
with everything that was going on with my ex. Um, and uh, um, I took them for just a little over five years, five and a half years. Um, and I feel like I still need them today. Um, so it's something that I'm, I'm working on getting back to. Um, but learning what it feels like to be more regulated and to not have as many high highs and low lows mm -hmm. as I used to, um, that was really, really nice. And it's not to say they don't erase the high highs and the low lows. Right. They, like, med medication you know one there's almost eight billion people on this planet now god that's a scary number um which means that everybody's you know mental health diagnosis you know there are eight almost eight billion different mental health diagnoses that can happen mm -hmm. um and the way that our healthcare system works across the world not just here is it's generalized medicine you know it is taking care of the majority of the problems, not jumping down to, you know, your DNA and your chromosomes to figure out like how specifically can we target you? Right. Which means that medicine is never 100%. Um, so, but learning what it feels like to not have, you know, sometimes a daily high, high and daily low, low, um, that 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 was one of the biggest benefits and i resisted medicine for a long time i was like no i'm doing fine i'm going to handle this with you know um i'm going to go for walks and i'm going to go exercise and i'm going to go do this might work for some people and if it does like more power to you i'm really happy that it does it does not work for everybody yeah um and trying to trying to tell people that well you shouldn't try it because it didn't work for me well i'm not you yeah so you know and i then one of the and one of the things that i was scared of before i went on medication was like am i not gonna be me anymore mm -hmm. and the answer is is like no i'm still me i'm just i have less screwing around up here um, you know, I have less manic episodes. I have less depressive episodes, um, you know, on the medication. I'm still me. Doesn't change my thought process. Um, I do know some people who have um, worse mental health conditions than I do, um, who've been on different medications and does it affect them differently? 100, 100%. But again, like I said, there's really almost 8 billion mental health diagnoses, which means there's almost 8 billion ways to take care of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, no, and no one thing is going to work for everybody. Like I'm, I am not medicated. I'm fortunate to feel as though I don't need medication, but I'm also not, I'm not getting up to take a walk. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you want me to exercise, which I need to do because Less for my mental health and more for my physical health. I need to start working out and exercising. But you know, I can I can sit in my feelings and write, or you know, I have my my coping skills that work for me. Where right. feeling those emotions, while it does suck, it fuels and motivates me to not feel them. 
So, you know, it's like a cycle that it's it's like a cycle that I go through and it doesn't anymore. Maybe when I was younger, definitely when I was younger, it was worse. But, you know, here I am at 30 and I feel controlled and relieved and I feel better more of the time. And like it's like you said, now I know with that diagnosis, now I know and I've been living with it for 15 years plus. Right. I know when it's coming. I know what's happening. I know exactly what stations need to be manned for the battle. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Learning, learning that, you know, back to the restaurant, you know, knowing that I have anxiety order disorder, knowing what the creeping anxiety feels like, mm -hmm. you know, means that I can be like, okay, I, you know, now I understand why randomly I would need to, you know, step outside like i very 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 rarely i will grab a cigarette and have a smoke but knowing that that is something that i can do and for me it's one of those things where it's like if i'm doing that that is i i have entered the almost panic stage uh -huh. and doing just the simple act of just the breathing in and out it it's calming and it you know it takes me down it's not something that i do often like i think in the past year i've had one cigarette and that was very recently and that was the run up to mother's day you know because yeah the restaurant everybody smoke listen listen <laughs> oh you know i will say so i work at a mom and pop I still work at the same restaurant I've always worked at for, for the past six years. Love that place. Love that place. Love those people. Great people to work for. Fantastic people to work for. Um, but I this year was the best Mother's Day I've ever worked. And not like because of money or like anything like that, but the people just seemed a lot more happy to be there. And a lot more prepared for the fact that it's Mother's Day. It's gonna be busy. And you're going to have to wait a little bit. Yeah, I, I'll say. Um, so the Saturday before Mother's Day was worse for us. Mother's Day was amazing. Amazing. Like our our store spent, our management team spent three months coming up with a battle plan for Mother's Day. And we executed it flawlessly. We were getting compliments left and right about how quickly we were able to get people set, how quickly we were able to get food out to them. Like, I was like, this is like, I was so worried about it because I've never worked a Mother's Day in my life in the restaurant industry. Really? Was, yeah. Yeah, I got I lucky. you avoided that. I am lucky, baby. <laughs> I have worked, Sean, I have worked, I've been in the restaurant industry for 12 years. I have worked every single Mother's Day for 12 years. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got, I got out of it. I'm pissed. <laughs> so i was you know so i was worried but you know that that saturday there was we got our butts handed to us mm -hmm. um and then i just i had a i had a co-worker who you know she's young and i tried i try like like with my boyfriend i try to take that with some patience and some grace but she just got me that day she got me i had to ooh. I just have to share this story because it made me so mad. <laughs> like I'm, we we are going crazy. We have um, it's we close at eleven o'clock, 
It's 10 o'clock. We have six tables walk in. The two people who are left on the floor, the bartender and myself, we both get triple set. Mm-hmm. And then there's a five top and a two top that walks in. And we're both just like, we can't continue doing this. It's been a crazy day. Yeah. So I, I go up to the bartender. I say, you take the two top because she's had a lot more large tables than I have at this point that I'll take the five top. All good. Five top gets set. Person who's trying to get checked out. Um, our manager goes, well, did you get your signatures? Because, you know, we have servers have to get signed off by the closing server. Make sure all their stuff is done. She comes up to me. She's like, hey, Sean, can you go ahead and um, check my tables? And I said, give me just a moment. I walk to the back. I grab the plates that I need to greet my table with. I come back out the doors and she's right there. There's been maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And she goes, Sean, can you check my tables? And I go, give me a moment. I'm like, I have been stressed all day and you're going to come fucking whine at me. 30 seconds later, 45 seconds later, like. And I still am here working. Like, I don't give a damn about the fact that you're trying to go home. No, and Carabas has a third, like, we're supposed to greet tables within 30 seconds. Mm. Oh, damn. I know. So it's like, my priority, you are very low on it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check you out. But they come first. Also, this is my money, babe. Like, you got your money. You finna go. (laughs) I got three. I have four now tables to take care of. And you're trying to leave? Babe, you can wait a second. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I was just like. You know, and she's young. She's 23. And I'm trying to take that with some grace. And, like, she started in the industry during COVID. Um, so like oh, you're probably at a very different time than other than us. Right. The veterans. Right. I was telling oh my god, I saw one of my 17-year-old coworkers the other day. Like I the Taco Bell that I started at, the franchise I started at, you had an hour to finish up after the restaurant closed. If you didn't finish up within an hour, they'd stopped paying you. Um, now that's wage theft. <laughs> um, but I didn't fuck around with that. I was like, I don't want you to stop paying me. <laughs> right. It was and because we had people who would, the restaurant would close at um, two o'clock in the morning. They'd be t- there till six o'clock in the morning, still cleaning. It don't take that long to clean. No, no, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't. You know what you're like, I've never worked in fast food, but like I've worked only ever in rest. Well, I did work in, um, what do you call it? Uh, retail. And even that, like when you have to go through and like reset essentially the whole store at the end of the night, doesn't take more than 45 minutes. No. And yeah, that so. But I was just like, yeah, I, I mean, I say so I started working in, in the industry in, in 2005. So it's almost 20 years for me at this point. Oof. Oh, I I'm hoping this is my last year. <laughs> Same. I can't do it anymore. You know, I just to jump off the topic of mental health, kind of off and on the topic of mental health for a second, working in a restaurant is very stressful. And I don't think people realize, especially as an empath, how much of other people's energy you have to, you just have to deal with. There's no option not to. I don't get to choose whether or not I'm going to just like be good at my job. If I want to make money, I have to be good at my job. And 
people don't have to be nice to me. That's the thing that's the most fucked up about it. I have to be nice to you, but you right. don't have to be nice to me. And right. I, again, being a Capricorn, have decided that I'm just not going to be nice to people who are not nice to me, and I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah there, there, are, um, there are ways that I, you know, kind of combat the not nice like i had a lady come in the other day who was pissed they got there at 3 30 we stopped serving lunch on the weekdays at three o'clock and she was pissed because it didn't say it anywhere and you know what and she was very sharp with me and i said you know well unfortunately our computer cuts it off there's nothing that i can do now had she said had she come had she been like oh i was really hoping we could get lunch um Sucks that we missed it. And if that was all she said, I would have gone to my manager and be like, hey, is there anything we can do for this table? They were really hoping to get lunch. Um, obviously, they're 30 minutes late. I will fight for you if, if you're, nice. if you, if you're going to be nice to me. But the minute that you're rude to me, the minute that you're mean to me, like, I, I will not continue going further Yeah, as no, far as that goes. You don't get the superstar supreme, like, supreme service if you're going to be rude. Sorry. No. And... The, and I, we found out the other day that we have like a 40% retention rate as far as regulars at my job, which is crazy to me. But also I think about it. I think about the people that I see multiple times a week. And it's because the people that come to the restaurant are nice. And right. our staff is great. Like we have so many incredible people working there right now. And I mean, that's why people come back, because they realize that if I go in here and I'm nice with these people and I shoot the shit and the food is good, the drinks are good, I'm going to get good service and probably get some perks. Like, Right. Yeah. No, it's it, that's the way that I some of my coworkers, I just don't understand. Like I was training with one of them and she was complaining about how she usually only makes 15 percent tips. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm following her. I'm like, I've been in the industry longer than she has. I'm following her. I'm like, well, I can see why you're only making 15% tips. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I worked um, this past Sunday, I worked lunch um, and then dinner. Um, and I made more money for lunch off of fewer tables than I did for dinner. Because one, we were a little bit quiet on lunch, so I could take my time with my tables and, and chat with them and get to know them. Dinner, they just kept pounding me with tables. I had, there was one point where I had a 10 top and four, four tops. I was just like, God damn it, stop. I had not eaten either. I was like shaky oh. and headachy. And I was like, I looked at my manager's like, I need to eat. Yeah, I was like, can like, you give me, and as I'm like, can you give me like two minutes so I can shove something down? They're sitting the 10 top. And I'm like, <laughs> Why am I good at my job? <laughs> yeah, my my boss actually, who was a good friend of mine, we go way back. I shared a post on Facebook the other day that was like, um, which avatar character do you identify? Like, do I do you identify me as? And you know, it's a, a roster of all the greats. So it's like Azula and Iroh and Aang and Katara and everybody. And he commented on the post and said, when you've eaten, uh, what did he say? When you've eaten Toph, when you haven't eaten Azula. You got me, bitch! 
Look, I still maintain that you're transitioning into your Iro era. I too feel like I am transitioning to my own viral era. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Leaves from the vine, baby. But yeah, he was not gone. wrong. He was not wrong because, baby, the blue flower comes out when I haven't eaten. It's it ooh, unhinged. I am unhinged when I'm hangry. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My my yeah. ex tried to tried to mess with my hunger at some points. I listen. Even Ronnie knows. Like if I'm quiet and I'm frowny faced and I get like a furrow in my brow, he's like, "Are you hungry?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, slam sandwich." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> to kind of round back into into the. Uh, the episode. I'm just really enjoying talking to you because we haven't actually seen each other's faces and talked for so long. I know. It's been, uh, what, I moved out here in September. Yeah, it's been almost a year. Oh, my God. I know. And I was supposed to be back there. I was going to be back there in April. I was supposed to be back there um, in June. I am going to be out there in August, for sure. Ooh. Like, that's a 100%. Right, well, we'll have to make some plans so we can hit yes. out. I'm going to see okay. Beyonce in August. So Are you? It's going to depend on Beyonce. <laughs> That's fine. I can bow down to the queen. Hey, listen, I got to see Queen Bay. We got to see her. We got to see her. Um, So, hold on. I'm looking at my questions, trying to remember where exactly. Um, Yeah, so here, like I said in the intro, we have a model here on Mental Health Chat Monday, it's turning mental illness into mental wellness. What does mental wellness look like to you? Um, for me, one of the biggest things is boundary setting. Mm. Um, so uh, I used to work, you know, when I worked at, when I've been, you know, working in the restaurant industry, it can be really easy for them to um, overwork you overstep your boundaries mm-hmm. um and i allowed that to happen when i was younger when i moved out here and i got this job at carabas um i told them um straight up i said i will not work on mondays period i said mm-hmm. you if uh, there are some exceptions and those exceptions are hey you know somebody was just in a car accident um hey somebody's mother just died hey somebody has to go you know they're out of town for a funeral we need coverage like it needs to be extreme Mm -hmm. um and that is the only way that i will come into work on a monday um because it's my guaranteed day off i can make plans you Mm -hmm. know for myself i can relax um you know i can go do my grocery shopping i can get my laundry done i can get my house cleaned it is just that is the day Mm -hmm. and i told them i would prefer to have both sundays and mondays off um you know because like i like to work five i've told them tuesday through saturday you call me you say hey can you come in yes tuesday through saturday you don't like i my manager was like hey do you mind if i schedule you on wednesday i'm like matt Tuesday through Saturday, you don't have to ask. Just schedule me. Mm-hmm. That that is the permission that I give you. Yep. Um, you know Mondays, unless something catastrophic is going on, don't call, don't write, don't text. I want to hear from you. 
Don't even look at my phone number. Don't even say my name out loud to anybody in the restaurant. Do not invoke me. <laughs> Do not perceive me. I am not to be perceived. You know, and that's so that's just for me, that's one of the things that that I do. That's a protection for me. Because I know that if I if I overstep that boundary um, and come in for something random or just say, yeah, I can work whatever day of the week, I'm going to put myself into a dangerous mental health space. Mm -hmm. Um so that so and that's one really big one and having boundary i mean even you know nico has boundaries with me and i have boundaries with him things that you know um he has a tendency sometimes of making certain dark humor jokes that i dislike and i don't want to go into what they are that's his business but i've told him i was like that really hurts me right now because we're not together physically in the same space um and that's something I would prefer not to hear from you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we are together in the same space, it's going to be a little bit easier because I'm there. Yeah. I don't have to worry about what's going on so many miles away from me. Um, so, yeah, boundaries, boundaries are a huge one. Um, the other thing is, like, I just, I no longer overtask myself. Mm-hmm. My days, if I'm, you know, I usually only work in the evenings. Um, I wake up and I make breakfast. I drink coffee. I watch, you know, one news program. Um, you know, it's a, a long four-hour program, but that's the one that I watch because they just cover a variety of topics. Um, and that's not always um, the negative things that are going on in the world. Um, today they were talking about a... Uh, uh, a book that Stacey Abrams just released called Rogue Justice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's not always about the ish. Um, yeah. And I have a cup of coffee and I take it easy. And then as soon as that's done, I'm reading for a little while. And if I'm not working, I'm going to go out for a walk or I'm going to get on my bicycle and I'm going to go out and just, you know, I'm going to enjoy my day and I'm take it easy you know, be productive in the ways that I want to be productive, you know, and then on the days that I am working, you know, read for a little bit and then get ready for work and go into work and just know that I'm walking in in a good, in a good mind, mindset and a good mind space. Um, and, you know, be able to take, you know, be present in that moment there mm -hmm. versus bringing, you know, whatever else is going on outside, you know, in with me. Um, but that's been a long journey to to learn to do that. I, I think it's a, I think it's a skill that you have to develop. I don't think it's something that people inherently know. No, it, especially in America, we are trained to work and work ourselves to death. And I've had this conversation with some of my younger coworkers where I'm like, listen, I caught it pretty quick, but a lot of people don't catch on until they're much older that you are you are not your output. You are no. not your output. If you no. don't feel like doing anything, if you want to take some time and relax, take some time and do absolutely nothing, it can get done do another it. day. Yeah. It can get and done then, another day. Right. And and that's, you know, that that that's a big thing. Um, you know, this past week I worked almost 50 hours, um, which I I don't like doing. Um, 
especially in the restaurant industry. It is taxing. Yeah. Like I, I went to, I had to go to the store yesterday. Um, so my cousin and I went together and I could feel my legs shaking, like just standing there because I, I averaged seven miles a day last week. Um, walking around that restaurant and that's a lot. I mean, you know, for us in our society today, walking seven miles in a day is a lot. A lot. <laughs> um, so yesterday I was like, I'm not, I usually, I take a walk on my days off or get out and do something. I was like, I can't, I physically need, a, need a break today. Yeah. Physically, not even mentally, just physically. My body needs a break today. You know, and I, yeah, and that's another thing. It's so it's okay to just do nothing. And that's not lazy. It, I hate. I'm starting to hate the word lazy. Like even when I use it for myself, like sometimes doing nothing is doing something because it's it's recharging you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be constantly on the move twenty four seven. You know, like you said, your output is not your value. Yep. I wish I I wish that was the thing we learned in school. Rather than algebra, which I still don't understand. <laughs> or <laughs> you know, what do I, I'm never in my life, never in my entire life since graduating high school and beyond. I still have yet to use any algebraic formula. Yeah, I kind of wish we did school. I think it's Finland. It might be Norway um, where they kind of like choose a topic for the year. And then all of their classes are around that topic. Like, you know, for example, we'll just throw something out there, um, you know, World War Two. And all their math classes, all their history classes, all their literature classes everything that they do all their science classes are based on world war ii which for me like that's that's why i read books mm-hmm. because it it introduces topics to me that i probably have no desire to learn otherwise um but it does it in a way that is um uh um i'm gonna say referential i don't mm-hmm. know if that's exactly what i mean you know but like one of my favorite english classes i ever took in college um, instead of just being a generic, okay, we're going to do um, this book by, you know, this person and this book by this person and this book by this person. It was based on one book. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire, you know, semester was just that book and just the topics that splintered off from it. And, like, that's that was really cool, actually. Yeah, that's incredible, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Beautiful, amazing, fantastic, wonderful. I, boundaries are, that's another thing I wish they taught in school. Boundaries and your output is not your worth. Those are the two things we need to implement those into schools immediately, please. Expedition. Yes. Um, I have a couple more questions for you before we end this call. So leave us with, a piece of advice for those around us who are, you know, in our corner, how can, as mentally ill people, how can, what's the best way to support? 
So a piece of advice that I would give the people in my corner. That's, ooh, that's tough. Um, I think I'll have to go back to what I was saying, you know, about there's almost 8 billion people in the world. So there's almost 8 billion different ways of doing things. Um, what works for you will not necessarily work for me. Mm. And to try and force me to do things the way that you do them um, is not helpful. Now, hearing how you do them and taking some advice, like, I want to be very clear, like, there's a difference between giving advice and saying, well, I tried this, um, maybe that might work for you, versus, well, you should do it this way. There's a difference in in, in intent and a, in a difference in way that you present those two things. Um, and just, yeah, I think keeping in mind that what worked for you will not necessarily work for somebody else. All right. Oh my God, I'm writing that down. Okay. Because that was a message. Like that, that alone is something that as a, as a society, we just don't acknowledge. Yeah. Everything is supposed to be one size fits all, but it, it, it's not, especially with healthcare and especially with mental health care. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's too much variety and there's too many things that inform your health and your or your mental health that, you know, it's I mean, here's this is one area where, like, I think having um, somebody who has had different experiences from you as a therapist is actually super helpful. Um, um, because they view the world differently because their experiences have been different. Um, it's one of the reasons that Carol and I have such a good friendship. Um, I think the reason that you and I have such a good friendship as well is, yeah. you know, we have had similar experiences, but we've also had very different experiences. Um, and so, like, yeah. But, you know, seeing how other people live through their eyes and, and whatnot, you know, helps me to make better choices. And, you know, and again, you know, something that worked for you might work for me. And it's like, it's great to take that information. Um, but it doesn't mean it will work for me. Right. And, you know, you, that was what you just said hit me at like, we don't really necessarily, a lot of times we look for a therapist who is similar to us. And I know a lot of the reason, I know my reasoning for looking for a therapist that's, that is similar to me is because I feel like a, 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 a therapist of a different race wouldn't necessarily understand my experience. For me, I would have to have a black therapist, a brown therapist in general, man, woman, straight, that doesn't matter. But having a, a a therapist of color is important because a white therapist isn't going to understand my journey the way. Right. But also, it is important to have that outside opinion of life. Right. In general. Yeah. 
yeah and yeah i you know for me you know i have to recognize that i have a certain amount of privilege um that informs the way that i look at things um and so i you know i i have you know i have been afforded i have been afforded that just based on the circumstances of my birth you know and you know if i i would change it if i could but it is what it is and these are the hands that were dealt with um that we have been that we have been dealt and the best that i can do are the things that i do to use what privilege i have in the ways that i can yeah and you do <laughs> thank you I there's nothing that. else to say to that other than you do <laughs> like we've been friends long enough and we've you know i don't i don't keep people in my life that i don't see that almost got that almost sounded really bad i <laughs> almost i don't see keep people in my life that i don't see value in but that's not what i meant to say i meant to say i don't keep people in my life that don't serve my life and by that i mean people who aren't um willing and able to acknowledge their own circumstances and able to meet me where i'm at and i can meet them where they're at right and, and we come together and and grow just by knowing each other yes not through conflict or whatever blah 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 just just the simple fact that we can call each other friends is us growing together as friends right and if i don't see growth <laughs> i can't I can't make a connection. Like I can't make a true, genuine connection with somebody that I don't yep. feel like can. You know, you know, you get it. I do. I do. I I don't have a lot of like close friendships, but I'm the ones that I do have are incredibly meaningful and important to me, mm-hmm. such as yourself. Ditto. Ditto, my friend. There's gonna be two there, but I'm holding my phone with my other one. So <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, I got the other side. There we go. <laughs> my screen, I've been we'll make it work. Ah, uh, yes. I love yes. these. I love this too. Nico does this all the time. It's my favorite thing. It's such a cute little thing to do. I, love I know. It. <laughs> so good. Um, Sean, do you have anything you need to plug? Any 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 upcoming anything or Honestly, like I'm just, you know, getting myself back together. Um, actually, you know what? Now that you say it, um, I am going to be participating in the 52 mile uh, challenge from the Trevor Project this year. Ooh. Um, so in June, I'll be getting on my bike and riding at least 52 miles and raising, trying to raise at least $250. Um, I will be sharing that on my Facebook and Instagram. Try to get over here on TikTok um, as well um for people to to donate um to the trevor project great organization um, that does a lot of advocacy work for the lgbtq community um so that's the big thing that i have going on (laughs) Um, absolutely go ahead keep going oh no you're good uh so but yeah beyond that nothing at the moment although i am going to be towards the end of this year working on getting back into theater and getting hopefully getting the q collective up and running again I know that the stage misses you, and I know that you miss the stage too. So 
get back to it. Get back <laughs> to it. I'm partially saying that to myself because I'm also uh, I'm I'm missing being on stage and not in a musical. You know, in a musical. Yeah. I want to act again. I think I don't know. I'm still. We can talk about that in a second when this call is over because I'm still a little fucked by the the community. But I will put a link to the Trevor Project and um, some information about the 52 mile 52 mile challenge. Yeah, because it's uh this year is 52 years since uh, Stonewall. Holy shit! Yep. Damn. I got to do something special for that this year. Okay, we're gonna have to think about that. But yes. I want to thank you, Sean, for being here. Uh, and I want to thank all of you out there for watching and tuning in to this week's episode of Mental Health Chat Monday. I will be back on Monday with a brand new guest. As usual, you know how this goes. Uh, if you want to find me, I am at Bionic on all social media. It's called Branding. Look it up. And I will see you all on the next episode. Bye.